You know, growing up in New York City, um, I remember not really thinking much about Memorial Day. Um, it, it's a very liberal kind of place, and military's not really honored a whole lot. I didn't know anybody who was military growing up at all. And if anything, the only military experience we ever had was filling out those information cards, you know, if you want, you're interested in the Army. And, but we'd put our friend's name on them. And then they'd get calls from the recruiter. I didn't sign up for that. And that was kind of a prank we pulled. And I, you know, and that's, you know, that's all that I regarded. I really took for granted all the blood that's been shed, the sacrifices that have been made to have the kind of place to live that we have. Uh, to have the world that exists right now because of what we have. And I'm not just, of course, speaking about the United States of America. It is historically an absolute miracle of God. There is no question. Anybody who denies that, you just don't know history. You've either, you've been skewed in some way, or, you know, maybe you went to New York City public schools like I did and heard about how evil America was. Yeah, back in the 70s, they were teaching that there. And that's become prominent once again, or it's become more prominent now, I should say. It's been growing, this whole idea that, you know, our history is dark and it's in, you know, it's been just darkened by slavery and all the mistakes that have been made over the years of our history. And, and um, if I were the devil and I'd want to write history, that's what I would make history to be. Let's talk about all the mistakes everybody has made. Let's talk about every evil tyrant. You know whose names are most famous through history? Like if you think, who's the most influential person of the 20th century? Adolf Hitler's going to loom large in that, right? The evil guy. The one that, you know, uh, Stalin, Joseph Stalin. We got 100 million people that were killed in the 20th century by communism alone. Adolf Hitler pales in comparison to that. But his name gets talked about over and over again. But what if we would be a people who would celebrate as the Lord does throughout his word, those that were flawed, those that had errors in their lives, those that even were in outright sin, and yet because of what they did for the glory of God, changed the course of history for the better. We are living in the most prosperous, peaceful, best days in all of human history. If you don't believe that, then you have been listening to the news. <laughs> rather than digging in a little bit and learning a little bit about it. So with your permission, of course it doesn't matter now, I got the mic. <laughs> I'd like to just share a little bit about the roots of Memorial Day. This picture. I was looking for a, a background picture, kind of a little you know, detail thing, right? I like to have a background that kind of goes with the message and I go around on Google Images and look for something that matches it. And, oh, I saw this one, this little orphan, fatherless boy, motherless boy, we don't know, at Arlington National Cemetery kissing his, the grave of his father who died in Afghanistan. And so I just got into this moment of, I wonder how many pictures there are like this. So I googled children kissing their father's graves. There are hundreds of them. You want to be wrecked? Do that. The fact that that boy will grow up without his natural father because his father showed the most excellent kind of love that there is. When Jesus said, greater love is no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, that's what his father did and he'll... You know, I don't know how old that boy is, maybe six, seven years old, something like that. He won't have but his early childhood memories of his father. 
because his father was willing to put his life on the line for the sake of what he believed was a righteous cause. And I don't care what our political beliefs are about. Was that a righteous war? Was that a worthwhile use of our military? Can we just put all that aside for the moment? Because if you are willing to sign up and put your life on the line for other people, I don't care what the motive of the politicians or leaders who sent you there was, you deserve to be honored for that. Just for the sake. That goes for all the law enforcement, anyone who's the type, as we've been saying again since that tragedy in Texas, the ones who run to the gunfire instead of running away from it. God bless you. And all of you who've lost family because they've gone, who've lost friends and loved ones because they've gone and put themselves in harm's way for the sake of others, some of them they never even met before. God bless you. May the Lord restore to you everything that's been stolen. Now I'm here as the offspring of Jews who fled Poland in 1931, 1929, excuse me, with the rise of fascism and the anti-Semitism that was brooding all around Europe, some of those in the city of Helm, Poland, which was 50% Jew, decided it was time to leave their homeland. My family had been there for generations, as far back as anybody remembered, since the Jews had to leave Israel because of the war against Rome. Some of them had been in that area of the world. And they'd lived there, and they'd established themselves. They became wealthy. They, they had, it, was, it used to be a beautiful city, Helm, Poland. A 50% Jew of the, I think it was 19,000 Jews that lived in that city before the war, only a few hundred survived. And they were the ones who left. So my family went to Tel Aviv. They waited for the next available opening and the immigration lottery to come to the U.S., and they made it over after a few years. But one of them went back. One of my you know, fifth cousins, five times removed, went back to serve as a spy for the Polish resistance and laid down her life. When I found out that fact through a second cousin of my father's who went to Helm and went to the, they didn't even send them to concentration camps from that city. They sent them right to the death camps. They just extinguished them immediately. Uh, it was the, and they did it off in the bush in the wilderness of Poland and uh, more, as many people died there as died in Auschwitz, the most famous of the concentration camps. But when I learned about, and, and so we've known that, and I'm grateful to God that my ancestors had the foresight to get out while they could. I'm grateful that we ended up here and I kissed the ground that I walk on in this, in this nation that I got to grow up in. But when I read this book that my father's second cousin wrote, it's called Return to Helm. She went and looked at the genealogical Books and I mean, she was right there. She saw the signatures and the book and the ad addresses where our family lived. And when she discovered that we had a family member who went back for the sake of helping, something just welled up in me. And it's spiritual. It's not just grateful for the fact that somebody was willing to put their life on the line for the sake of rescuing others. There's something deeply spiritual about going someplace and sacrificing yourself for the, sake of, for the sake of life, for the sake of just rescuing people from darkness. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, then he lays down his life for his friends. But he went on and he said, you know, 
while Paul said about Jesus, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, maybe for one, one might die for a righteous man or perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. And you all know how it ends. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's something deep in us that knows that somebody who is willing to sacrifice the most precious thing we have, their very life, for the sake of someone else. We, we, we admire people for their courage. You think of a father who will confront an intruder coming in the house to defend his family. And you say, that was an act of courage. Take it up a level, and a police officer is willing to go in and protect his community. That's, that's another level of it. But think about going to foreign soil and going somewhere to people that you may never even get to meet for the sake of liberating them, for the sake of protecting them from the bullies. That's in the divine nature. It's part of human nature to protect those that we love, but Christ revealed the divine nature in us, which is to protect those who are strangers to us. So it's good and it's right. As somebody pointed out, as we prayed before service, there are memorials throughout Scripture. There are times that God said, frame this moment. Never forget this. There have been hundreds of millions of events in human history, in our thousands of years of recorded history. There have been thousands of millions of things that have happened in the world. But then there's some things that God says, oh, whoa, whoa, everybody stop. Frame that moment right there. That's important to heaven. That is going to turn the tide of history for the kingdom of heaven. That thing, which some people will never even know about unless they read this account, that was important to me. And for Israel, they would make stones and altars and, and monuments to it. We still make monuments to this day to capture that. But in 1865, just a month after the Appomattox Treaty was signed, ending the war between the states, something happened that really should be remembered. And it's the earliest recorded celebration of what we now call Memorial Day, which used to be called Decoration Day. This group uh, down in South Carolina, the war between the states represents the first time in human history that a war was waged for the purpose of liberating slaves. I've got to say that. That has got to be told that the agenda that's tried to remove that and make it as though all of our early history till slavery was abolished was nothing but dark, nothing but evil is an absolute lie from hell. And it dishonors all of those who paid, as Abraham Lincoln so beautifully and poetically said it, their last full measure of devotion. Complete strangers who were off in the safety of Maine and Massachusetts and New Hampshire who'd never seen a slave in all their lives, signed up to go and fight a war because they believed there was a just cause. And it wasn't just because, hey, a bunch of states want to secede from the Union. They knew what was happening down there, and they said, that needs to end. And anybody who says otherwise, you just need to read their diaries and stop your judgment. I get really angry about this sometimes because somebody who has demonstrated the greatest love there is doesn't deserve to be smeared and slandered with some political motive that you overlaid into their lives. It dishonors 
what the Lord's anointing was on their lives. It dishonors the Christ-like quality that they had. I will go and be as Christ and lay down my life for a perfect stranger, maybe even for a sinner, maybe even for somebody who will never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, right now, not all the slaves were Christians. Uh, I mean, they, they were willing to go for perfect strangers and do it. So this thing happened in 1865, May 1st, 1865, and it almost got lost to history because this happened in Charleston, South Carolina. So this picture up here was a, a sketch that somebody who was present for it drew. Um, this is a Union Soldier Cemetery, uh, and they, they called it the Martyrs of the Race Course that they were there to honor on this, probably the first thing that resembles Memorial Day that we celebrate today. And this was a group, I'm going to just read it because it's a powerful story that I came upon a few years ago. In the late stages of the Civil War, the Confederate Army transformed the Washington Racecourse and Jockey Club in Charleston, South Carolina, a formerly posh country club, into a makeshift prisoner, uh, prison for Union captives. More than 260 Union soldiers died from disease and exposure while they were held in the races, racetrack's open-air field. Their bodies were hastily buried in a mass grave behind the grandstands. When Charleston fell to Confederate and Confederate troops evacuated the badly damaged city, those freed from enslavement remained. One of the first things those emancipated men and women did was give these fallen Union prisoners a proper burial. They exhumed the mass grave and reinterred the bodies in a new cemetery with a tall whitewashed fence inscribed with the words, Martyrs of the Race Course. See, these people recognized, these slaves who knew all about what was going on on that field, they understood the people that died in that prison camp, they died martyrs for the cause of, of something, a righteous cause, that, was, that Jesus was on the move. That God was allowing us now to rid the scourge of slavery from this place that had been dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that since the days of the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence had two clauses in there about slavery. And he and many of the other founding fathers said, I pray for the soul of our nation and that somehow the just God will allow us to persevere while slavery is still going on. That's how most of our founding fathers viewed slavery. It's a scourge on our land. And now that scourge was being removed and these freed slaves called the ones who died in that field martyrs as those who came representing the Lord Jesus Christ. You all know the battle hymn of the Republic. That's a civil war song that came out of that understanding that the spiritual warfare has been going on for a long time and now it's about to erupt into a natural war and God's righteousness the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron is coming now and he's going to remove this absolute injustice is the least word that we could use to describe what was happening this absolutely horrific practice is about to be removed as a side note historically speaking if we win spiritual warfare, do you know that's the best way to avoid a natural war? When God pours out his spirit, you could check it out. I did a study, you know how much I love history. I did a study through history about outpourings of the spirit. And then in the years following, every single outpouring of the spirit, within a decade, there's a, either a national or international war that follows on the heels of it. It's like how God always sent prophets first with mercy. 
He sends prophets first with turn, repent, get your heart right with God. You know that a nation whose heart's right with God doesn't do this kind of stuff, right? People who have been revived to the Lord of heaven, people who have been converted now and are sons and daughters of God don't act like that. They don't cheat in elections. They don't allow babies to be killed in their mother's wombs. They, they just don't do things like that. That's why the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven was go and transform lives and the world will look like heaven just invaded the place because it's occupied by citizens of heaven. But then there do come these times in history where God, and, and you read the Revelation, this is the ascended Jesus Three times in the book of Revelation is described as the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. He will not allow injustice to continue. He will not allow the poor to be oppressed. He won't allow those who are enslaved to continue to be enslaved. So it's upon us to win the spiritual warfare in our day so that it doesn't erupt into a natural war so that all things can be made right. So, martyrs of the race course... So they spent the month doing this, and then on May 1st, 1865, something even more extraordinary happened. According to two reports that this uh, historian found in the New York Tribune and the Charleston Courier, a crowd of 10,000 people, most of them freed slaves, some white missionaries, staged a parade around the racetrack. 3,000 black school children carried bouquets of flower, flowers and sang John Brown's body. That was, John Brown was the embodiment of the northerners who were coming to free the slaves. That was an, an old song sung during the Civil War. Members of the famed 54th Massachusetts and other black union regiments were in attendance and performed marches, and then black preachers read from the scriptures and thanked God for what he had done. Now I'm all for having cookouts on Memorial Day. We're going to have one. I'm going to get to reunite with my old friend and spend a day with beloved ones. But I do believe in the hour that we're in right now, it is of ex exceptionally vital importance that we pause and thank God for those who have laid down their lives so that we could have what we have today. It's the most biblical thing that there is. You know, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, this is one of our favorite chapters in the scriptures, and we read all these amazing testimonies about things that people did by faith. One after another, they carried the torch of faith, they carried the baton in their generation, handed it over to the next, and it's because of that that we have what we have today. And mostly they're, you know, times of, hey, they responded to God and God blessed them. And then all of a sudden, toward the end of the chapter, it kind of takes a turn, and I'll pick up here in <clears throat> verse 35. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yeah, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and ill-treated. I can't even see the words on the page. I'm crying. <laughs> Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not even receive 
what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from them, they would not be made perfect. The blood of the earth and the, and the soil of the earth is the blood of all of those who have laid down their lives, who never got to see the fruits of laying down their lives. That's what this weekend's about. That's why it's good and right. And I'm grateful to God that it became a national tradition. It went on from Charleston and other places to finally become a national remembrance. We're to remember those who showed that kind of love. And while we do, of course, we honor those who went to actual natural war. That's the the exact point of this weekend. But all of you know that we've been involved in a much greater war for 2,000 years. Really, it's been a war that goes back to the Garden of Eden. But since the days that Jesus walked the earth and since he laid down the gauntlet and said, the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. The kingdom of darkness, you've had your day long enough. Now the kingdom of heaven's at hand and the world's going to be a very different place by the time we get through of it. And that's been a spiritual warfare that has spilled over into natural warfare. And that's the story of the last 2,000 years. But in the last 2,000 years, 70 million martyrs have laid down their lives. That's the most conservative estimate. 70 million people have died simply because they were preaching Christ, because they would not deny the Lord in the middle of whatever kind of oppression. Many of these um, died under communism, died under Nazism, died under fascism, all kinds of other isms through the centuries. And they just refused to back down. They said, no, I would rather die than deny the Lord Jesus Christ. The word martyr in the Greek, marturos, just means a witness. And we think that witness means, well, I'm going to share my testimony of how I came to Jesus Christ. And that's a part of it. The witness shares a testimony of something that they have seen. But a martyr in the sense of I'm laying down my life right now, I'm willing to allow my blood to be spilled, has already adopted the heart of, I'm testifying that I know that Jesus rose from the dead. I am so confident in that fact that when I, whether I die in a minute from now or I die 50 years from now makes no difference to me because if God raised Christ from the dead, he's going to raise me from the dead. That is the ultimate testimony. Somebody said, you know what you're really living for by what you're willing to die for. We know what's really important to us by what the ultimate sacrifice. We could give all of our money away. That's easy. We could give all of our goods away. We could give all of our time away. But to lay down our life means I have acknowledged. If I'm choosing to do this, it means I have said that there is something worthwhile. And I'm willing to sacrifice everything I have for the sake of something that I won't live in this world to see. Half of those who have been martyred for the gospel of the kingdom of heaven died within the last hundred years. And all of the time of human history up until the beginning of the 20th century, most of those were under communism. Like I said, all the spread of those kind of evil type empires that went around in the 20th century. Um, 100,000 a year currently are martyred around the world, mainly in Muslim countries, mainly in that so-called 1040 window as we called it. But this is because the war between the two kingdoms is still going on. So I want to urge you about something this Memorial Day. Yes, let's thank God for those who who died in wars, especially ones when we as a nation sent our boys and girls over to fight. Let's honor the memory of those who sacrificed. But as we do that, let's not forget that there's a much bigger war going on. 
And if we're successful with our spiritual warfare, may it be that wars will end. You know, at some point, I encourage you to get down to our state capitol and sit in the Senate chamber, chamber at some point and just look at the mural that's up above where our senators sit. I go in there, um, I bring groups in there now to show them and explain the mural, but in there is, um, on the left side of the mural is a group of people taking their swords, melting them down and making them into plowshares. You know that prophecy. And the entire vision of it, it's a post-millennial mural, which means that the Lord returns after we conquer the world for Christ, that, that after he is the king of all the nations, then he returns. And that's what's being embodied up there. But it's a vision of what happens when the people of God are faithful to move the gospel of the kingdom of heaven forward. Wars cease. Striving ceases. The lion lies down with the lamb. Literally. Maybe. I hope. That would be great to see. Those things happen when people are faithful, when we are faithful to say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And I know all these things, yeah, they'll be added unto me. That would be nice. But that's not what I'm living for. I am living right now for the kingdom of heaven. So just three things in going. Honor the sacrifice of those who have gone before. And our generation, let us not be those who shrink back. Let us not be those who choose to obey men rather than God. Let's be as bold as our spiritual ancestors, the first generation of believers who stood before the most powerful council in the nation of Israel, the Sanhedrin, who told them, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Heal all the sick you want, but just stop using that name. And they said, well, you decide for yourselves whether we should choose to obey God or men. As for us, it's a done deal. We don't have to pray about this. Jesus told us to go preach. We're going to go preach. Do you know there is no such thing as a law that says you can't pray in school? There is no such thing as a law that says you can't talk about Jesus in your workplace. I feel like it's, you know, we've talked so much about the election and the fraud and all this other kind of stuff, politically speaking, but do you know that we already gave in in the spiritual war a long time ago? How about it's time for some backbone and some courage? I'm not talking about protesting out in front of the Capitol. If that's your thing, you, you go ahead and do whatever you want to do with that. I'm talking about not staying silent when it's time to share Jesus. I'm talking about not holding back when it's time to extend mercy and when it's time to go with that person who's in front of us, not the person 5,000 miles away who's on a TV screen. I'm talking about the one who's right in front of us. I'm talking about the people we see every day at the workplace and every day in school. I'm talking about the people we have influence with, the ones that we have opportunity to minister the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, which has been entrusted to our care. If you want to honor the memory of those who have given up their lives to protect the United States of America, the freest place that's ever existed, let's start by not bowing to the intimidating spirit. So what if you get fired? Oh, it's easy for you to say you're a pastor. No. They could haul me off to jail at some point with some of the laws that are being pushed. Look, it's not a good day when this is called hate speech. That is not a good day for any preacher, for anybody who's bold in their confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dude, we have buried people. There have been people that have been burned alive. 
There have been people who have watched their family killed as the last thing they see with their eyes for advancing the gospel of the kingdom of heaven before us. I'm urging you, don't you shrink back. If you could talk to that soldier who stormed the beach on Normandy and ask him, so how would you feel if you knew that what I did with your legacy and what I did with the sacrifice that you made was I got this really nice house and a big car and I got this promotion on the job and, and I, you know, I had the American dream. But it's fallen apart and freedom is being impinged upon. You realize that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, right? It's not because we have a good constitution that we have liberty. It's because we have the spirit of the Lord among us and in our midst. And without that, there is no liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is not, there's bondage. It really is just that simple. That's the spiritual warfare. Honor the sacrifice by not shrinking back. Be bold, be confident, be very courageous. And hold the line, as we say. Second, be courageous and assertive in advance in the kingdom of heaven and the earth, seek the kingdom first. Make it the priority. For all of us, I mean, I can't, there's a scene at the end of Saving Private Ryan that wrecks me every time. And it's Ryan now as an older man going to visit the cemetery in Normandy and he's, he's there looking and he stands in front of the, uh, the captain played by Tom Hanks, I forget the captain, Winter, not Winters, that's the other... Uh, whatever the captain's name was in, the, in Saving Private Ryan. And he looks at his relative, I forget, maybe his daughter, and he says, was I a, have I been a good man? Because those were the last words. The captain said before he died, make something of your life. Make our sacrifice worthwhile. And he looks at this girl in Normandy, his, his family member said, have I been good? Did I... Did I live in such a way that I honored the sacrifice made so that I could have life? I mean, that's what our faith is all about in Christ. We honor the fact that, yeah, he, he paid that price. He showed the way for everybody who would follow after and lay down their life. Jesus went first. There were no wars to set other people free before Jesus. There's no such thing in all human history. And it took quite a while before the church finally caught up that, look, if we are going to have war because the gospel hasn't prevailed yet, then let's make it a righteous war and let's liberate people from bondage out of it. The Civil War was the first time in all human history that it ever happened. The complete strangers were willing to go sacrifice their lives, make their children orphans, and a generation fatherless for the sake of liberating other people. Let's live in such a way that honors that sacrifice. Honoring the sacrifice by remembering those who have gone before Look to them for examples. There's all kinds of so-called role models out there. I encourage you to look for the heroes. Look, look for those who have already gone before. If you don't have it yet in your household, Fox's Book of Martyrs. That, that should be a must-read in every household. We haven't, I don't think we finished reading it. Um, it. It's hard. It's heavy. You read these stories of people who were told, deny the Lord Jesus Christ and offer worship to Caesar or you're going to be burned alive. And they said, are you kidding me? I would never deny my Lord. You don't know him yet. That's the only reason why you even think that's worth asking. Find examples like that. They're all over the word of God. Every one of the 12 but John were sacrificed. They were all martyred. All of them. Most of the early church leaders died under Nero's persecution alone. 
They've gone before us. Use those for examples. Those are the people to look to. And I pray it inspires every one of us to live seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Now in the middle of that, I, I wasn't, I've never closed with the words of a, I don't know what General Patton's faith was. I know he talked about God a lot and I know some other things he said. So I don't know. I'll just say I don't know. But he gave a Memorial Day speech one year and he said something to the effect of, you know, the, if you want to honor those who died, don't honor the fact that they died. Honor the fact that such men lived. And live the same way that they did. We stand on our feet. Father in heaven, I thank you that we currently walk the earth and we have walked the earth with those that your word describes of those of whom the world was not worthy. And I pray the same could be said about every one of us. That we have lived in such an honorable way for the glory of the Lord that we would be as those of whom the world is not worthy. May the sacrifices of those who have gone before us from Jesus all the way on down to those who have allowed their lives to be laid down for the sake of liberating others. I pray, God, that you would make us such a generation that the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, that the freedom that comes when the spirit of the Lord is brought in a bold package, that that will be our way, that will be our norm. And I do pray that in the middle of that, that we would enjoy the freedom that we have with thankful hearts, enjoy the liberty that we, we have here in this nation, even tomorrow as we have our cookouts and laugh and celebrate with our family and friends. I pray that it would be done with a background of gratitude in every one of us for those who paid that last full measure of devotion that we might have it. Oh, what a joy it is to live in a world filled with people like that. We thank you, Jesus, for the honor. Amen. Amen.